Hello, my name is Zachary Trailer, and you are listening to Morning Voice, A Political Journey, Episode 6, My Candidacy. On Sunday, I officially announced my candidacy in front of my family and friends and those both here in Fayetteville and those watching from Florida, Illinois, and even as far away as Italy. It was a very reassuring moment as my community my chosen community, those who I grew up with, who I've bonded with, who I've developed relationships with, all stood beside me and cheered me on. Afterwards, we had a great Thanksgiving dinner that I was even surprised of. I'm a big baker, and I was surprised that the food came out as well. But my candidacy has officially begun, and I can now say I am a candidate for North Carolina's General Assembly. What most people were surprised about was how well-spoken I was, how professional I was, and they, my teammate gave me the best quote ever. If there was, if your opponent had no opposition, what's the harm in trying? And I very much agree with that. My campaign is about listening more and talking less. It's about learning from others and bringing together people of a variety of backgrounds and seeing my friends who I went to high school with, my soccer teammates, my military buddies all in one room together, my family watching from around the world genuinely touched me. And hearing them say that they were surprised that I was able to speak the way I did, the confidence and the charisma that I put off, it shows, it reinforces my belief that we, everyone needs to listen more because you will learn so many small details, life events, and insight that you otherwise wouldn't. And that is why I am running for office. One policy that I think shows this the best is my electoral college reform. Or more particularly, I'm sorry, the reforming of our democratic institutions in North Carolina. One district, one vote, or one district, one representative has shown to fail. We need a multi-party, multi-member district. Larger districts that take up the same size as a current three district, but have the top three candidates all represent the state. It has been shown to work in Western European countries as it increases the diverse views we see within Cap the Capitol Hill and prevents the radicalization and the extremism from both sides from developing. The primary system would no longer be required as the top three candidates would get to represent us. When you look, that means a district that would normally be one-third to 25% Republican or Democratic with the remainder being the opposite, you would have a higher chance of receiving any representation, whereas our first system, you could run in a three-way race and still get only 33% of the vote, and you represent 100% of the people, whereas in my proposed system, the proportional representation system has been shown to eliminate that since that one that candidate who only won one-third would now only receive one-third of the vote, as the other two-thirds would go to the respective candidates. That is a system that is fair. That is a system that allows for uh, civic involvement while also allowing 
for compromise. You're never going to be able to win over everyone. However, you can win over multiple different groups through multiple different candidates. And whenever you have these diverse groups and these diverse thinkings, only good things can come. Voting is a civic duty that we must preserve and we must foster and make it more powerful. Anyone who stands in the way of giving citizens more representation and more power in the system, we must ask, why are they protecting the system? The equation is simple. You have a system, you have a vote, you have a population, and you have an outcome. If you're not defending the person and the people, then why are you defending the system? It's a question I want everyone to ask their representatives. If you're not trying to change, genuinely change, and see growth within your community, for your constituents, for your fellow man, why do you stand on that stage? And why do you speak in front of millions in Capitol Hill, both here in Raleigh and in D.C.? I want to talk about two people for this for this segment, for this episode. Malcolm X and MLK Jr. And while it may seem odd, I think that they show a different perspective. Many people, many people are under the false premise that MLK never wanted violence. That is not true. He did believe in peaceful violence as he believed that changing the system required everyday people doing small acts and giving a little hope because one drop does not drown the system, but a whole wave does. That doesn't mean that he would stand by and let people get beat and slaughtered on the streets and say, just take it. Similarly, Malcolm X, while being a radical and being a strong advocate for black identity and black nationalism within our country, both for better and for worse, he was not a crazed revolutionary looking to burn the system down. He supported his community and our community becoming independent of the system and relying on each other rather than relying on the state. These are stories you won't hear from the mainstream. They want you to think of Malcolm X as a crazed revolutionary and MLK as a peaceful protester. Just because you're not peaceful does not mean that you aren't right. Sometimes you have to stand up to the bully. For too long we've been told to go get the teacher. Let the bully reign supreme, give him a slap on the wrist, and continue along. Good Americans, just like good kids in our schools, are being bullied every day. And no one's standing up. If you stand up, you're, vic you're, you're victimized like Malcolm X. You're villainized and you're seen as an outcast for doing what you know is right. Similarly, if you stay quiet and you keep getting beat, they're going to idolize you, ignoring the pain and suffering you went through. No one talks about the constant FBI and CIA surveillance around MLK, the fear he lived in every day until his untimely death. For decades, he lived in fear under a dream that he could make a better tomorrow. We need to make sure that people don't 
have to die to make the system change. We just need to listen. Listen to stories of everyone. Listen to your neighbor. Listen to your colleague. You will notice they have dreams and passions and beliefs that you don't know of that could influence you. I, today at my campaign event, had the fortunate, it was a great time and I got to listen to so many different people and I got to see my my friends that I grew up with for uh, over a decade now interact with my military friends who I went through hell and back with and my soccer teammates after we won our championship and we were all hyped today. And it was, it was a great experience because I got to see what, you know, Everyone was listening and learning. People were under, given a new perspective on life, on something as simple as soccer, hearing you know how we here in North Carolina play versus how uh, growing up I played in Miami and hearing these just conversations and people coming together. It's why here in the South we are known for our Southern hospitality and our good cooking. We know that a table filled with food is the best place to go for a conversation, to break bread with our fellow man and listen and enjoy life, but also realize that each of us is breaking bread on our own terms. We each have baggage and stories. We have successes and failures, but we won't know that if we don't listen. We wouldn't know about the hell the federal government gave to MLK if we didn't listen, just as we wouldn't know the truth behind Malcolm X if we didn't listen. I know it was a, I know this is a radical example, but it shows a common theme. We have been lied to for too long by the system. And if people aren't the ones being defended, then why are they defending the system? Thank you.